Hello, everyone. Welcome to MHTV. Really pleased to have you with us tonight. Um, it's lovely to see you. We're going to have a really good session today. So we're in the middle of Mental Health Awareness Week. Uh, it's also Mental Health Nurses Day. Well, actually, just Nurses Day, but let's just take it for us. Did you see Dave then suddenly react to that? And Health Visitors Day. So uh -huh. we're going to be coming together for a celebration. Um, but also we're going to be talking about uh, PhD journeys, nursing knowledge and all those sorts of side issues with a really good panel today. So um, I'll hand over to Dave and Dave can tell you how you can join in with us tonight and then we'll meet our guests. Yeah, hi everyone and happy International Nurses Day from me too. Uh, so tonight if you want to join in, two options. One of them is on the Facebook live chat. Obviously just post your messages, any questions, any comments on what we're talking about tonight. Or the alternative is if you head over to Twitter and use the hashtag MHTV uh, and everyone will be able to see the conversation that you have in about tonight's episode. But without further ado, straight back over to Nikki. Okay, so let's meet our guests. So first of all, Jane, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, hey everyone. So yeah, my name is uh, Jane Matonoze and I'm currently senior lecturer. Um, and um, I suppose my, my history in terms of... Uh, being a mental health nurse, uh, I've qualified in 2002 and then um, worked in clinical practice for about five years. Um, so I worked in inpatient settings and community settings. Then I then came on to a higher education. Um, and yeah, that's been quite an interesting journey and really have uh, enjoyed the, the whole journey of um, being a mental health nurse and then having the both um, elements of being in clinical practice and also uh, now being an academic. Um, and yeah, currently doing my PhD as well. So that's been um, an, an exciting journey on its own. We'll discuss that later. Absolutely. And Chris? Oh, hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm Chris uh, Daring. I I actually qualified in 2002 as well. Um, though, God, a long while ago uh and then uh, i'm trying to I, when when the question came up i was like oh no i've got to think about what i've done so i've worked in the pq acute uh ward uh early interventions where i work with adolescents with sort of prodromal symptoms or we were assessing that um then in a recovery team and I've also been fortunate to be a senior practitioner in a crisis team as well. And from around then, I, I, I really felt that academia, strangely, was a great way to sort of challenge sort of practices, uh, work towards improving things, certainly from patient care and decided to take a career at the University of the West of England. So uh, and I'm now a senior lecturer uh, doing a PhD as well, like Jane. Yes. Fantastic. Well, let's talk to you both about your PhD. So we'll come back to Jane. Jane, tell us what you're studying and how you came to be to be on that pathway. Okay. So, yeah, so I've, I'm doing a PhD, um, basically looking at um, professional uh, mental health nursing identity in relation to continued professional development. But I'll tell you a little bit about that in a bit. But I, because um, since I started working at the university, I think it was just an interest. I teach a lot on country professional development um, modules and programs. And so, you know, sort of in, in that role, I just sort of became quite, um, I suppose, you know, so sort of, uh, interested in sort of finding out why people or why mental health nurses were doing um, country professional development um, in the sense of, you know, there seems to be quite a lot of conversations around, you know, sort of exit options, you know, so it was sort of, 
people were sort of gaining the extra knowledge, not necessarily mm -hmm. perhaps to stay within um, their area, but actually mm -hmm. either looking for promotion journeys or actually yeah. leaving mental health nursing um, completely. So that makes me quite curious and sometimes thinking, well, why? And I think I suppose even personally reflecting um, in my own career journey where, you know, when I was working in clinical practice, you did CPD and you'd gain all this knowledge and, um, you know, sort of uh, do extra courses. And then you come back to the clinical area and there was no opportunity or, or options for you to use those skills that you'd, you'd gained. So, you know, I sort of did stuff on, you know, psychosocial interventions using CBT, but there wasn't any opportunity to then use those. So what, what happens is then people move on and go to other areas and look for, you know, other sort of options. So, yeah, so that was a really um, what sort of spurred me on. But then the same, uh, the issue about, you know, identity then came into it because then, you know, sort of thinking about what was mental health nursing identity, you know, and whether this desire to move on was something to do with the identity that mental health nurses had of themselves. So sort of thinking, you know, once I get an extra qualification, that's going to open up opportunity to have a career with more prestige, um, you know, more options. So that's what I, you know, sort of perceptions, I suppose, about the status of mm. mental health nursing and, you know, that was influencing this sort of career journeys mm -hmm. that people were taking. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that was really, you know, sort of the, the aspect that, you know, sort of motivated me, sort of thinking I needed to investigate a bit more um, and understand, you know, what was happening. So there's quite a bit written on, you know, so CPD, but it's mostly about, you know, this is valuing it. But mm -hmm. in terms of sort of thinking about, you know, its impact in terms of, you know, identity and stuff like that, you know, mm. not much discussions. And most of research is really done in Australia um, yeah. around sort of, you know, mental health nursing identity. I don't know whether it's something to do with, I suppose, our training that's different mm. um, to the Australian context and other countries because we mm. are still straight on field specific. So, yeah, mm. so that's really the, what has inspired me to sort of... It seems you know, like it, it was like... A lot of different things fed into it and then all of a sudden you've got this subject that you're passionately involved in and interested and engaged by mm -hmm. yes so whereabouts yes. are you on your journey then so um so i've been doing this phd for a couple of years now i think it's probably about six years now yeah the time just sort of sneaks up on you wow. <laughs> but i'm um, actually um i suppose towards the end i'm sort of you know i've done um my, my PhD is involved doing um, sort of using mixed methods. I've done focus groups, I've done surveys and uh, interviews. So I'm in the process now of analyzing data and making sense of, you know, the, the different aspects of the data in terms of how the the qualitative elements in terms of surveys is informing, you know, um, the, the 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 qualitative, so the interviews and the focus groups. So yeah, so I suppose you know I'll probably say maybe in the next sort of year or two. Hopefully the journey might come to a conclusion, but uh, it's been an yeah, interesting journey um, in, in terms of, you know, um, the different aspects of it, you know, the, the exciting bits, the highs and the lows, and then mm. it, you get motivated again, and then you move back into it. And, you know, when you realize, you know, so think about, you know, what difference uh, that study might make, um, particularly to the, to the um, uh, life of nurses and as mm. services as well in general. Mm. You've touched on so many points there. So for people who don't know, a PhD, usually if it's been done part-time, takes about seven years. 
Um, everyone assumes mm. that like seven years is going to be marked. They'll be done early. <laughs> Hardly anyone ever is. And quite a few people are like begging for extra time. So it feels like um, it might feel like a very long part of your life. But I think that's one of the things that's part of the learning of it, I would say, that you're, yeah. you start it as one person. And by the time you get to the end, everything has changed. So the context has changed. You've changed. The question has changed. And that yes. is, I think, one of the exciting parts of that learning journey. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I, I think I definitely agree. I think when I first started it, I sort of thought, oh, I'll do this in four years. You know, it will, you know, I'll be done and it will be done. And I was doing part time even. But actually, mm. you saw right, the way I think about certain things and how I went into it initially with what I thought was happening has changed quite a bit. And I sort of seeing things in a very different angle. So, you know, there is definitely that benefit of the time you take mm. because your ideas evolve and you start seeing things in a you know more I, I feel yeah. more crystal way. Um, yeah. And yeah, so. it is a little bit mind blowing, isn't it? So mm. we, we, we'll, we'll cycle back to that, but let's hear a little bit about what what Chris's journey has been with his PhD. Oh, uh, okay. Been? Well, um, so I guess when I. I started as a, a support worker in the last century, which is kind of scary, just before the uh, millennium. And what I noticed is that we were very heavily orientated about risk. We were doing assessments about risk. I was obviously not involved in those. And after I qualified, I think that kind of thing, you know, about risk assessing and managing risk sort of escalated, certainly after the millennium and has really just increased. So, there's been lots of uh, excellent authors out there in, over the last sort of five, ten years talking about, you know, there are problems with risk management on a, on a particularly in acute wards where uh, a high number of uh, service users are, are even aware that it exists or that it's kind of tokenistic or that the actual notion of risk, which is really interesting, is misinterpreted and not necessarily getting a lived experience so when i've spoken to some people uh, who with those experiences they say you know it's not the the, the the things i'm doing is to cope with life risks you know like events like uh i suppose uh relationships breaking down and i'm coping with self-harm i'm doing it and and and, and my life is not great and that's why i'm considering a suicide thing insist and that kind of got me thinking uh, along with lots of literature about how what places recovery have in the concept of having uh, a meaningful life um mm -hmm. uh, irrespective of mental health difficulties uh and how does that sort of how would that happen with risk management and a lot mm -hmm. of authors like rapper and so forth have written written about this you know and it's become very prevalent but equally, there is still it's still not very clear how a service user will engage in recovery as part of risk management, and, or indeed, as the question goes with my PhD, in the mm. context and constraint of risk management. And mm. so, this is a I for me when we talk about journeys, this is something I've been really interested in yeah. since I started nursing, you know, as a support worker or a healthcare. Uh, assistant what the title was at the time and so I've been looking at an opportunity to to look at improving it making it I suppose less paternalistic less tokenistic and so um, 
I've had the opportunity at the university to do the PhD. I, you know, the study was really important. So I'm using, uh, I'm not using mixed method as, as Jane is. I'm using grounded theory because mm. <clears throat> even though there's lots of documentation and really good arguments and commentaries about recovery, there isn't actually a theory about how it would act in, be embraced with risk management. Mm. And so uh, I felt that was a, a good methodology. And it's it's hard because you're going to ask me where I am on my journey. Now, the thing, grounded theory, it's kind of a bit of a backwards, forwards sort of methodology yeah. for people who don't know. It's a case of you, you, you collect data, you make sense of it, and that informs further data collection. Uh, you know, you might go back to participants, you might uh, shape the uh, the discussion. It's not tending to be semi-structured interviews. It's more of a, a discussion about it to allow deep exploration about recovery in that context of risk management. So, yeah. Uh, it, uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, is it a journey? It's more of a lifestyle for me, really. <laughs> it sounds a bit grandiose, doesn't it? Oh, it's a lifestyle, uh, but actually, it's something I've really been passionate about for twenty years, and mm. so I feel very privileged to be able to be exploring it now. Mm-hmm. And 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 the beauty of it is that there's an array of authors that I've looked up for years, actually mm. now tackling it as well. Excellent mm. publications coming out. All of them pretty much saying, how does recovery work with all these constraints? And actually what service users are saying, there are possibilities for it. Mm -hmm. And so so this comes up with this idea about utility of a theory. Can we create Mm -hmm. a theory and and we go, ah, you need to stop risk management. No one's going to do that, right? Mm -hmm. But what we need to create is a theory that can be utilized in practice. So there can be positive change. So we have to embrace what's happening and shape it in a way that practitioners, all of us, can actually mm. see it as not something alien and mm. that's something that's helpful for service users. And mm. so service users have, uh, who I've interviewed have, so we've been talking about what would that look like as well as yeah. what have you noticed when it has worked? Mm. Um, because I think there's a lot of literature out there all excellent, of course, that criticizes risk management as it should. But I think mm. now we need to move on and see how can we improve it. Mm. It's kind it's of where I'm at. Mm. It's a movable piece, isn't it? <laughs> so I think one of the things that's really interesting is, so Jane's looking at stuff which is nursing knowledge to do with the profession and how we move forward and what we need to do differently. And Chris is actually looking at the Kind of like a shared knowledge, isn't it, between service users, practitioners, and how we understand like the the thing we do, the kind of mental healthness. How mm. do, how do we help people? Yeah, and that's and there's like two different sort of types of of knowledge, and also going about it in different ways. Mm. And I think it's really interesting to see practitioners who are so passionate about this. So if, if mm. anyone here has never asked a PhD nurse how their nursing project is going or their PhD is going, you get two answers. One you get pinned to the wall with enthusiastic chat for about 15 minutes and you get lost after the first two and you just nod and smile if that happens to you. <laughs> Is that what you're doing supportive. now? <laughs> Nobody else cares about it but that one person. So if all you can do is just give them some space, please do that. The other thing you get is like a really angry, vicious response like, I don't want to talk about it. Don't <laughs> ask me about it. So those are the two states that most PhDs are in. They're either in this excited, I've learned something, my head mm. is different now, or else they're in, I don't ever want to talk about that. If I don't mention the word, you don't mention the word. 
it's, it's a really interesting thing when you have those conversations with your colleagues. But there is something I think that's really important about the creation of nursing knowledge and the participation of nurses in understanding who we are and what we do. That is often really overlooked. Mm. You know, when it comes to research, people look at every other you know, disciplines, knowledge base, and never really think about the stuff that's homegrown, the stuff yeah. that we've created for ourselves and for the people that we support and work for, all those things that we do as nurses mm. are kind of put into a kind of culture where people say to us things like, oh, nurses, too posh to wash, too clever to care. Do nurses need degrees? Do they just need to be kind? Oh, like right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things, I try to stay calm, but it is one of those things where I know when people are messing with me, like, do nurses need degrees? <laughs> so how do you guys cope with that then the idea that sometimes we can have a bit of an anti-intellectualism around nursing not necessarily from nurses but sometimes what what, what do you guys what's your take on that um I, I think for me i think you know definitely i think you know nurses having degrees and you know sort of having quality higher qualification is the, the the way to go really and i think especially in relation to the work that i'm doing in terms of professional identity some of the issues that have um been raised by participants is around you know nurses feeling a bit undermined you know in in practice and one of the things they they sort of um attribute that to is, you know, that people perceive that we're not as knowledgeable, that, you know, we that's sort of handmade and relationships still sort of mm. cropping up. Um and people not really understanding what the roles of mental health nurses are. So, you know, there's that lack of clarity. And, you know, so people start thinking, well, you question the, the the sort of the basis of the knowledge really. Um and yeah, you're right, you know, Nick, that people sort of question, do you need uh, to have a higher qualification? But actually, you know, um, the Nessa I've spoken to, they need that, you know, sort of knowledge because they feel they're at par with colleagues. Mm -hmm. So they feel even some of the things we're talking about was, you know, um, speaking in ward round and stuff like that, and they're feeling they can contribute things, they're bringing evidence-based to their practice, they can argue through points of why they're doing. And I think there's been that sort of, yeah, lack of knowledge in terms of, you know, what is uh, mental health nursing knowledge that underpins our practice. I think that there is a real gap in some ways that we need to be developing what, you know, um, defines the profession and the mm. evidence base that, you know, we can build um, towards mm. that. So definitely, I think that is the, the way forward. We need to have mm. more nurses. Absolutely. I, I would add to that. I do think uh, nursing um, needs a, a knowledge base. It needs to be established. We are a bit of a subjugated sort of profession, aren't we? We're certainly uh, when I speak to colleagues like psychologists, and this is not obviously a criticism of any other discipline, doctors, psychiatrists and so forth. They're kind of, well, what are you? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, are you the person that does things or are you the profession that does things when we don't do it? And I'm like, yeah. mm. <laughs> I don't really necessarily agree that we are the the, the, the group of people that kind of uh, deal with the cracks and, 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 mm -hmm. and try and, you know, fill those. But so I think what I what I think is the beauty of a degree or anything higher like a like a master's or certainly a PhD is the ability to develop knowledge that has utility for our practice. Mm -hmm. I think obviously in Jane's case, you're looking at identity of the profession and, mm -hmm. and I conversely though, obviously it's all part of the same sphere mm -hmm. is looking at developing practices that, you know, that's going to hopefully benefit the people mm -hmm. that are accessing acute mental mm -hmm. health uh, services. So, 
And that knowledge base, there's a great knowledge base. So that's already been influenced in practice. Mm. If you look at safe wards, obviously, yeah. I'm not going to critique that today. Uh, <laughs> but but what I will propose, it has come from a nursing profession and it mm. has been heavily ingrained nationally. Oh, mm. certainly internationally. In, internationally. Mm. So that mm. does show, regardless of one's sort of uh, academic view of, of, of it, uh, you know, what is safety, for example. But that aside, it, it shows that actually uh, that the nursing knowledge can influence uh, organisational change. And that's really important. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. we need to empower ourselves as a group, uh, mental health nurses and further afield. And I suppose using, like you're saying, you know, evidence-based from nursing research. I think then yeah. that gives credibility to the profession. If we're saying, you know, you know rather than drawing on from, I suppose just basing our knowledge from other professions, evidence base that doesn't mm. then give us that credibility. So, so saying, yeah, this is how we do it. This is the evidence from a nursing perspective, yeah. and this is how it works. And evidence base around it, I think, that is you know really important. Absolutely, we need to be generating our own knowledge base, mm -hmm. and I do feel so. The thing, and obviously, do inform me if you don't agree. It's that sense of being very skill based profession like oh no you just need to do things by route you need to learn certain things you need to and then you just repeat them and that's your career that is such a undermining thing to say to any profession I would wager and you know it, we have to be generating new knowledge because we do have great knowledge we do have great abilities we're a human industry after all. And all we're doing is a bunch of humans helping a bunch of humans. And, you know, the, our professions and so forth shouldn't hold us back. All these stereotyped views of the nursing profession shouldn't hold us back. Mm -hmm. So I say embrace knowledge because it can be empowering. Mm -hmm. Is my view anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. It really changes you, doesn't it? I remember the first time I really sort of became aware of it. So some of it was about learning about other nurses and what other nurses had accomplished. That was That's great. But I remember the first time I came across The Unpopular Patient by um, Felicity oh, Stockwell. Oh, goodness, yes. And, that, and, and the price she paid to publish, you know, to publish that work that she did, people were so angry with her. But she was right. She was right mm. about how we choose the people who make, to be nice to the people who make us feel good about ourselves and our work. Yeah, and yeah. for me, growing, growing up as a nurse, you know, not like grew up as a nurse, but you know, in my practice. I'm saying you started child. early. <laughs> I, I was horrified to find I, I came into nursing when I was about 22, 23, and I was wow. a mature student. I was heartbroken to find that out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I digress. So the, the <laughs> top one thing, what it really taught me was um, about not putting your problems on other people, on vulnerable people, mm. you know, and, and it's not up to a service user to make you to make you feel capable or to make mm. you feel confident. It's, it's your job to be skilled. It's your mm. job to carry your own pack. It's not your job to look for praise or reward from people who are there to be helped by you, to be supported by you. And that really did help me get my head in the game because I think you can do so much damage as a as a practitioner if you're not mm. doing it in a considered way. Yeah. You know, so for me, that was the first time I saw this is a nurse telling me how to be a better nurse. Mm. And it's something that stuck with me forever. And one time um I got I got contact with her and I was like, oh my God, I feel I just assumed that she was dead. I never really realised that she was that you can be alive and be thinking. And that was my second bit of bounce off that. And the, and the, when you first start moving to more academic circles and you meet people whose work you've read mm -hmm. and that has changed the way you think about things, oh, it's yeah. really 
it's a real spin. Yeah. And then yeah. when people come up to you and they're like, yeah. and they like stuff, read stuff that you've written, it's really yeah. That's bizarre. Strange. Yeah. I know. I'm I'm yeah. a bit of a nerd with that. I, I I go to conferences and I think people <laughs> run away from me. Ah, oh, would do you mind if I get your autograph? They're like, uh, what? Uh, yeah. Weird. Actually, people don't I, do that. <laughs> yeah. I do that. I do that. Oh, I know you do. I was just saying to the public. Oh, oh right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Chris thing. Yeah, <laughs> it I, is. I was just sort of thinking, I, I suppose, you know, in, in that context, is that actually, you know, in some ways there is an absence of those role models. I mean, I just mm. sort of think, you know, think of our pre-reg students and, um, you know, even some qualified where, you know, they have that sort of, um, I don't know, professor or someone that they, they aspire, that they can see that this is a person who has um, made such an impact in terms of mental health uh, work or research. Or I think, I, I don't know, in some ways, I think there needs to be more, they need to be more visible, I think, in some ways. And I don't know how, you know, that can sort of come across because, I, I, you know, so, you know, talking to students sometimes, you know, there's that feeling that, again, in terms of maybe mental health, nursing, um, being overshadowed and stuff like that. And there aren't many, you know, sort of those role models, you know, that people can sort of identify with and say, you know, this particular person in mental yeah. health, they're making such a difference. So mm-hmm. we are making, you know, that difference um, in, in practice. So, yeah, I think there needs to be, again, more of those sort of role models. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because we know if you get into this type of work, you know there's lots of research going on. It's just yeah. it's just not very easy to get it get connect up with practice, even yeah. though it's really relevant. Before we go any further, we do need to go to Dave because I think some questions have come through. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> yes, they have. So uh one of the questions uh well I've got a couple from Mushtag. We'll do the first one. Uh is going to a research active university making your chances better as a nursing student and bonus in terms of networking and opportunities if you aim to do a PhD yourself? Hmm. Yeah, I think absolutely. I, I think um, you know, being an investor that's very research active, it, I think one of the things that it does is it inspires you. You know, so if you're having um you know, all the sort of research seminars going on and conferences and, you know, being around um, academics who are developing research and stuff like Actually, that inspires you to think, you know, oh, I could see myself. I think that is, again, that role model. You can see yourself yeah. progressing on to um, a career beyond, you know, um, you know, sort of, uh, yeah, go further in your career. So I think that's really, and I always say to students I work with, you know, look at it, um, you know, you've got different pathways in nursing. I think that's the other thing that people sometimes don't realize, you know, so you could remain clinical orientated, you could go into research, you could go into education. There's quite a lot of options that um, students can sort of think about. It's quite one of those careers that people can, um, you know, venture into different areas. So, yeah. I would share that. Yeah. I think the other sort of thing that maybe sort of leads on from that is I know there's at least one university in the north of England that kind of requires all its lecturers to do a PhD. Would you kind of agree with that or do you think there's any sort of downsides to that? Oh, that's a hard one, you know. I mean, if I, I, you know, in an ideal world, if everyone, if everyone had the privilege to access the PhD uh, circuit, if you like, then yes, but you know we know very well that if you're going to self-fund the PhD, it's incredibly expensive. You know, I think uh, it could go into thousands of pounds. So, 
I think I think my personal feeling is that we should have we should be more open minded about that, uh, allowing people to get into the profession and then have choices about PhDs. I think I think for me personally, doing a PhD has allowed me to do a study of real interest to me at, to a new to a level that's a little bit more depth to a master's. But there's excellent lecturers out there who yeah. feel that actually being at master's level or actually mm. some at degree level are mm. exceptionally knowledgeable. So mm. is it about the knowledge or is it about the opportunity to gain the knowledge and get it certified? There's a kind of kind yeah. of a, a disconnect perhaps between that. I'm, I'm not, I, I would never recommend personally mm. that you got to have a PhD to be in academia and I think what you're saying uh, Chris is, is right in that as well so thinking about nursing or mental health nursing you know there's that practice element to it so there's yeah. the academic bit but there's a practice element to it. True. and you, you know you sort of yeah, need to you know to sort of be able to cover those areas so like you're saying someone could be an excellent in terms of you know, practice relating, you know, the, the, the teaching in, in relation to, to that. Mm. And some people might, you know, sort of be more sort of theoretical and advancing. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, I, I think it's about authenticity, isn't it, Jane, to a degree? Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, we are obviously, we are a practice of some description. That shouldn't be that we shouldn't be informing that practice through the generation of knowledge through PhDs, studies and so mm -hmm. forth, for sure. But mm -hmm. equally, um those who I found inspiring have done both. They've come from a practice background. Certainly um, some of the uh, academics that taught me were some of the, the forefront runners of early interventions, like uh, Mandy Reid, who is regrettably retiring today. You know, um, well, this week, you know, that, you know, people like that and uh, have, you know, they who are actually academics, but have been shaping practice as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that sense of utility, you know, what's the usefulness of the knowledge we're generating? And everything has obviously utility, but you do sometimes wonder if there is a bit of snobbery with some knowledge where two or three people in the world go, oh, that's really great. And everyone goes, uh, you what? <laughs> <laughs> that's really great, but I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. And just another question from Mushtag, which I think, you know, lots of people will want to know the answer to. Uh, what would you have liked to know before starting your PhD journey that you know now in terms of tips and advice? Oh, good question. Uh, Jane, you could go first. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, or, or, or I can. I'll, I'll shush. Well, I suppose, as you know, as what I was saying in the beginning in that, you know, the the idea of of not seeing it as you know is just something to do quick and rushed and be done in in this sort of short period of time because it's, it's you know in one thing I've learned as well is that the page has got a life of its own mm. <laughs> so it needs to be nurtured and you know watered and looked after and so you know it's sort of going in with the mindset of you know this is a journey you know and i'm just going to you know go through with this journey and see where it takes me and you know i think approach it in that way because i yeah. think 
if you go with it with that sort of pressure, because it, it will, mm -hmm. it can really be quite stressful. So I think if you are able to open up and sort of, you know, if you, you know, your, your, your data collection or something is delayed for a bit, you sort of, you know, can step back from it or your ethics or different things that, you know, affect the journey that can, you know, sort of um, be quite upsetting or, you know, sort of discourage you. Um, yeah. But when you go in with thinking, right, you know, we'll see how long, you know, we'll take it as we go along and, you know, enjoy the journey. I think that, yeah, that is one thing I think. I think that's true. I would say that there is something about dealing with uncertainty to a degree. Yeah. Um, you know, when I started, um, I didn't actually, I mean, I had a question and you can get quite fixated. I'm doing this. I'm not going to change it. But actually, you'll find that as you collect data, you start to understand because we have to certain methodologies you have to understand the philosophical positioning and all these kind of things and you start yeah. as you learn you start to actually think wow this particular approach is probably not as good as another one and you have discussions you've got to I feel being allow, allow yourself to be open-minded that mm. what you start with might not be where you end up and mm. so the journey is not always uh sequential it's not always going forward mm. it can go backwards and forwards certainly i don't know what your experience jane was but with recruitment and covid we had to suspend start suspend mm. change ethics and, yeah. and all these kind of things certainly in mm. the nhs so mm. you know it is it yeah you you just have to well, have to do, just reduce one's expectations yeah. and and go with the flow a bit. Yeah. yeah. And that comes with a really good supervisory team, which I thankfully Absolutely. have. So, yeah. 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 And I just want to shout out Chris Paulson and Joe <laughs> Williams. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Any more questions? <laughs> Yeah, there's been one more that's come in from our friend Alan Simpson. Uh, ah, he's asked, cool. who, who or what has helped you most so far in developing your research careers? Oh, wow. Mm. Cool. I, I, I don't that. know if he's expecting you to say <laughs> Alan Simpson, but yeah. <laughs> well, Alan, yes. Actually, he has been helpful for me, you know, in discussions, I have to say. We've had discussions. I don't know what your view is, Jane, about any inspiration. You know, I think other PhD students, to be quite honest, mm. I think, you know, having, uh, having had forums um, with other PhD students and sort of sharing that sort of those experiences, I think you, you, you sort of come mm. away with, you know, that sort of shared experience of other people are going through similar experiences as you are. Because I think a PhD can be quite an isolated journey mm. <laughs> where you just think you're the only one who's doing this. <laughs> <laughs> it's already me. Yeah. And no one really understands what you're going through. But when you've got peers and other people who are very similar, and, um, you know, I, I remember this quite vividly actually, someone telling me, um, and they were quite a, ahead of, of me, and they were saying, and I said, oh, once I get my data, I'll be fine. Everything will be fine. And I can go. And they said to me, oh, actually, that creates another whole, you know, dynamic because then you're trying to make sense of it. And especially, you know, using mixed methods, how then the data, you know, converges and makes sense of each other. So, yeah, those sort of aspects about it. Um, yeah. The difference. I mean, uh, for me, it's... Uh, so, yeah, 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 so I think, Sorry. yeah, so other, other students, I think... 
Absolutely. Sorry, I had a bit of a lag there. I do apologise. I live in Swindon, everyone. We just got the internet last week. So... <laughs> Um, for me, it's a, 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 a famous academic in granite theory called Charmez, I have to say, because of her work with the uh, development of social justice and things like that. Also, I'm a bit of a book nerd. I mean, obviously, there's been other PhD students that have kind of kept me motivated, you know, but I think it's the inspiration I get from reading and going, my goodness, you've really unpicked this and, yeah. you know, you've really made sense of something that we haven't taken consideration of i know obviously the most obvious sort of academics is people like foucault and everything else but to say that the way that obviously open to much critique uh, and i understand that but you know the way uh, that particular uh, academic sort of addressed mental health difficulties was uh, radical at the time of yeah. of writing and yeah. you know and it's all it's all relative to a time and place isn't it so yeah. Um, there's, you know, having discussions with fellow academics, certainly people yeah. at the Mental Health Nursing UK Forum and mm -hmm. other places like that. Everything's an inspiration. Patients mm -hmm. I've worked with or service yeah. users um, mm -hmm. are really inspiring. And I, you know, I'm, I see them in town. Swindon's very small. They say, how's mm -hmm. it going? And, you know, and that, yeah, absolutely. So inspiration can come from anywhere. Mm -hmm. Sure. So you talked about it being kind of isolating sometimes in the top tough times. So how do you get through those? What sort of things have you have you done to stay right. motivated? Can we going? can we talk about it publicly, or is this where we say our lawyers <laughs> should come in, or no? I think you can say anything. That's what my feeling is. Jay, no, I'm joking. How do you go through tough times? Because presumably there will be people out there maybe who don't have the kind of networks that you guys have. No, that's very true. Have. I think, you know, sometimes you, you, you need to, to sort of like step away from it sometimes, you know. So one thing I always, and this is one of my strategies, you know, is that, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you submit your, your work to, to your supervisors and then you get feedback. <laughs> and then sometimes you can sort of feel like, oh, my God, you know, you know that type of sort of feeling. But I also sometimes think, you know, you know, get the feedback, step away from it and come back to it. And actually, I, I found that when you've done that, you, you actually mm. see it from a different lens. So mm. the first time you see it, it's, you, I don't know whether it's just you, you're in psychology, you've got this sort of defensive sort of mechanism. Mm. So thinking, oh, no, mm. you know, what are they saying about my work? That's, but then when you step away and then you come mm. back to it, it all makes sense and you can see it so through. So I think, yeah, when it's getting quite overwhelming, sometimes it's just good to just, have a breather <laughs> and just think I right, agree. Just going to, yeah, have a bit of a step back and then come back into it. Obviously, you don't want to go away for too long because it comes hard to come back. Right. You look at it and go, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think stepping away, giving yourself a few days away, certainly if you're writing your thesis, mm. because you don't, when you're in, in the midst of writing, certainly sometimes, anyway, for me, you, you don't see how things come across in your mind you're going oh that reads really well or and then when you step away and you go mm. oh my goodness that sentence isn't really well constructed and you know how would that uh translate to uh, a general public you know reading the work mm. so yeah it's really important to ensure that one's language is clear and accessible i think but um you know, I got a strange way of dealing with it. I do other projects. It's really weird. So for a moment, we're doing other 
we're doing work <laughs> together, aren't we, Jane? Yeah, and I actually yeah, yeah. find that we, we've. I mean, personally, I find it kind of a relief. You know, obviously, holidays and things are great, but I like. I don't know. Working with different people, I find it really inspiring, and it, inf- everything informs your work, doesn't it? And um, but having a break is important. So if you were to say, "What do I do?" Support football teams who don't really win, except Chelsea are doing well. Yay! And um, Netflix, very good. <laughs> <laughs> what a wide range of uh, advice there, people! Thank you very much for that. <laughs> yeah. That's- we aim to um, please. There is a question here about um, whether nursing associates should do PhDs without doing nursing degrees. Anyone can do a PhD in anything. So mm. if you have an interest, then do it. If you want to be a so. nurse and do PhD, do that. Mm. So don't worry. Follow, follow your heart and your interests with something like that, I would say. I, 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 <laughs> I would also say that it'd be helpful to, you know, to build up your sort of skill set in, in, in doing that. So doing a degree... Uh, might yeah. be helpful or a master's to build that up but yeah. yeah yeah but that's another thing isn't it in nursing i find if you're an engineer you could jump straight from degree to phd but in nursing oh no you've got to do all these steps <laughs> you know you you know we don't trust you you know you know you're a nurse and i'm like mm, really mm. it's a lot of pe- yeah there's a weird thing is it? before we came along we were talking a little bit about um kind of um, the reaction sometimes you get as a nurse and feeling maybe a little bit inauthentic sometimes if you become yeah. more interested in academic or research. Um, I wonder if you guys wanted to sort of say a little bit about that because we're coming to the end soon. Of this. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, think, I think sometimes it's a reflection of perhaps mental health nursing as well itself in that, you know, we're talking about not being authentic, but also I'm just sort of thinking with uh, some of the, the nurses I've spoken to wine practice in that sense of feeling like they're not a proper nurse because they don't have, they're not, um, you know, adult nurses or general nurses and that sort of idea about what a nurse is. And I suppose that can translate as well if you become an academic and, you know, you're not in the practice area. Sometimes people, you know, might perceive your authenticity in terms of, um, you know, are you still a proper nurse or, you know, are you completely something different? And so one of the things, you know, gosh, I think for me, you know, I think in a way I was still keeping my identity is that, you know, whenever I, I introduce myself or I, you know, with different people, I also refer to myself as a mental health nurse. Whilst I know yeah. some people, are, you know, you know, they're, I don't know, it's academic or whatever. I think that's my, my first, my first identity is I'm a mental health nurse. And I think that keeps it, real in a sense to myself to sort of um who, who i am and you know remaining authentic in that sense yeah i agree this sort of falls into that theory practice gap which i actually mm. don't agree exists i know this sounds a, a little bit odd i think there in academia and it's I'm, this could be challenged. There is a sense of idealism, isn't it? There is a sense of aspiring mm. beyond the actual reality of practice. And and sometimes it takes, it doesn't work. Well, sometimes practice catches up. But I think mm. all practice informs the academic work. But I think we we have to be creative. And sometimes you have to step away from practice to think about practice. When I was uh, uh, working in the crisis team, I was engaging in an array of awful reflective, you know, reflecting now on risk management practice. About the time in that culture, it wasn't frowned upon. But when I was able to step away, I could actually think, my goodness, I could have done better there. I could have helped 
that service user far more. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that until I had time to step away, a bit like your advice, Jane, about stepping away from the thesis and having time to reflect. I think academia can help with that, is, mm -hmm. is my view, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to need to wrap up now, guys. That, so if you okay. guys want to have, just have a think about is there anything else that you wanted to say, and I'll just go over to Dave. Dave, was there anything that you wanted to add? Any, anything you wanted to say? I think one of the Other things. Hello I feel, to Ben and Alan. Thank you. Just looking at you on Twitter there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one of the things that I am quite pleased by the conversation tonight is that I don't feel really bad that I don't particularly want to do a PhD. And <laughs> I think it's really great that, you know, the way you spoke about it tonight really kind of emphasizes that it's not for everyone. But for those people that are interested in it, you know, you've given lots of really good yeah. tips of, of how they can kind of right. start that journey. And, and hopefully join you in completing one, you know, quite soon. So uh, mm -hmm. I, th I think that would be my main thought for tonight, which I hope you don't mind, Nikki. <laughs> I never mind your thoughts. <laughs> I think as well, it's like nursing is a big family, isn't it? And some people do one thing, some people do another, and it's the combination of all our efforts that move us all forward. You don't have to be somebody else. You, 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 you nurse from yourself, you teach from yourself, you research from yourself and how you combine those things is, is what you bring to the table to the rest uh -huh. of us, you know? So yeah. if you don't do research, frankly, read Absolutely. it, be passionate about it, share it, learn from it, and then pass it on to the next person. You don't have to make something to enjoy it. Uh, you. I agree. But, I agree. So for you, for you guys, for your, it's weird. I've never found a way of saying like what are your last thoughts without making it sound really sinister. So if anyone has a solution, my last, my last thoughts <laughs> ever. Or, yeah. I think maybe just about this. Um, for me, just just remember that nursing inquiry is a daily endeavour. We're always mm -hmm. asking service users mm -hmm. about what are their experiences and things. And so you could argue that's a qualitative data mm -hmm. collection exercise. And actually, nursing inquiry shouldn't be seen daunting. It's something that we do on a daily basis. Merely doing a study is taking it one step further, is mm. my end point. Yeah. My You're view. supposed to want to know about stuff, aren't you? You're supposed to want to know how to yeah. do it better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think for me, I think, yeah, I think it, it is good um, sort of reflecting uh, on how far nursing has come along and um, what has been, you know, sort of developed, um, you know, since, you know, obviously, you know, from all these years uh, back. So I think, you know, just building on that knowledge, I think, base, I think that's really important for the profession to continue to, to develop. And I think we are going in the right direction. There's quite a lot of, you know, sort of research evidence coming up and we mm -hmm. are being able to, to underpin our practice with knowledge. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Brilliant. Absolutely. So if you have any questions, guys, that you haven't been able to ask tonight, please just stick them on the um, tweet chat or on Facebook and we will come back to them over the next little bit. And we'll also be tweeting out some resources, some things um, that will support you if you are thinking about whether this is something for you or if you actually just want to um, find an easy way to access um, research. We'll be doing that. So have a lovely, lovely rest of your um, World World Nurses Day <laughs> and enjoy Mental Health Awareness Week. Take care, everyone. Good night. Bye. 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 Bye.